Welcome to another episode of Infinity X, where we give a stage and microphone to human excellence in the pursuit of never-ending opportunities and merging ecosystems with world-renowned entrepreneurs and influencers. Now, here's your host, David Harder. From the production studios of Epic Financial Strategies here in Red Bank, New Jersey, we are Infinity X, giving a stage and microphone to human excellence as we do each and every single Tuesday, 7 p.m. East Coast time. Replay. We are InfinityX.com. We are InfinityX YouTube and on the We Are Infinity X app. And each and every single week, ladies and gentlemen, we are giving a stage and microphone to somebody who is doing things at a level that is different than what you're accustomed to and somebody that you want to pay attention to. And I am very, very excited about our guest this evening, who's going to be somebody that you're going to want to pay attention to. And it's not only just because he's got a 25-year track record of ultra, ultra high level success in sales and sales development, et cetera, in corporate America. But what he's doing to break down the walls of sales prospecting, his his approach towards prospecting, man's even writing a book, by the way. And I, ha I got a sneak peek at that. And it looks really, really strong. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Chad Johnson. Chad, good evening. How are you tonight? Dave, thank you so much. I'm doing great, and and, and I appreciate the buildup. Now let's uh, hope I don't suck. <laughs> <laughs> if you, listen, if you suck, you're only going to suck for 45 minutes, brother. Don't worry. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this is Chad Johnson. We are Infinity X, and I had the good fortune of meeting Chad through our ecosystems um, You know, uh, each and every single week. Multiple entrepreneurs are reaching out to me and to my team looking for the opportunity to be seen and heard here on the Infinity X stage. And I had the chance to, to meet and talk with Chad um, about four weeks ago for an uninterrupted hour. And we spoke a little bit earlier this evening as well. And I just continue, Chad, to be uh, you know more and more impressed with your presence and your command and your confidence in the fact that sales leadership, is failing salespeople, number one. And number two, prospecting sucks, right? <laughs> so, you know, and, yeah. you know I, I love all of that. We're going to dive really, really deep into that. We're going to dive deep into prospecting, pipeline management, all of those different things. But Chad, why don't, you, uh, why don't you share a little bit for the good folks out there about your background and what credentializes you to be on this stage? Okay, so really, I've, I've got 30 years in sales and, and marketing business development from both an individual contributor and from a a leadership standpoint. And, um, you know, I've learned over the time that I've been in and around sales, uh, how it's evolved and morphed and how it's really changed specifically over just the past couple of years with COVID, right? <laughs> yes. So I've been uh, a director uh, of business development for, you know, large companies like Cox Automotive, where I ran, you know, inside business development nationwide. Um, and I've, I've worked for small mom and pop media companies as well, selling advertising and marketing digitally. And even back in the old days before the internet, <clears throat> aging myself a little bit, uh, we all um, know you know, back in print, <laughs> yeah, print radio and, and, and all of the traditional forms too. So um, it, it, it's that career of, of growing and developing and evolving over time and always finding what is the key techniques to getting to decision makers and how to reach them effectively. And that, that really is what took me to where I am today. Well, Chad, let me ask you, let's, let's dig a little bit deeper into your background. Like, uh, you know, wh where'd you go to college? 
So I went to Arizona State University and the University of Texas at Arlington. Studies business, business management and advertising and marketing. And had a little bit of fun too, I would imagine. No, there's no, no parties in my background. <laughs> there's no parties at the University of Arizona. Arizona there, there, there's like no, no video to prove it. There were no cell phones back then to take it. <laughs> I love it. When when you graduated, though, and, and, you, and you, you studied and focused on business development, did you have a clear, concise roadmap of what it looked like? Did you have entrepreneurial aspirations at that particular point? Like, what, what did you gravitate towards as you were shifting from full-time student into the workforce? Yeah, so, you know, I think the biggest thing that I learned was that there's methodology and then there's reality. You, you learn the methods and the blueprints and the ideology of it in, in college, but yep. the reality of it is completely different. You know, when you get out in the real world, people aren't playing by those textbook rules. There are no, you know, express, you know, examples of, hey, this is how it's done. You know, you have to get out there and you have to learn by taking your, your licks, you know, you gotta, you gotta get on the battlefield, get your butt kicked and, and, and learn. Yeah. But they don't and, tell you that in, in higher no, education. No, they said, Hey, you're going to be, a, you're going to be a genius. You're going to go out and do wonderful things with this education. And it's like, well, maybe. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it, you listen, I, I don't, I hate poo-pooing on uh, higher education, although I do it all the time, quite frankly, because I think they earn it, but yep. What I don't think that they do a good job of is, in my opinion anyway, is getting people prepared. Look, you, they, they get people prepared for jobs. Right. That I don't disagree with one ounce, right? right? But they don't, in my humble opinion, they still continue to not prepare um, students for life in the workforce. That's right. You know, and I th there's a huge difference between the two, you know, I mean, you can get me prepared for a job, you know, all you want, but a day in the life, that is not something that, uh, that is not something that I see. And financial no. education and literacy is, is putrid in. in yeah, we won't even go there. Yeah, yeah, they, right. they, they, they don't teach you how to be competitive. They don't right. teach you how to find your advantages and, and how to utilize those and that you can actually win and succeed without being this cutthroat monster that's out there. Uh, mm. You can do it authentically and positively. Um, and, you know, to a point where even your adversaries are cheering you on because they can't help it. You know, if you're not going to beat them, join them. Mm -hmm. um, and that's really what I've done is, you know, I've worked with so many salespeople and sales leaders over time, developing how they go about approaching things. You know, it doesn't have to be a political cutthroat game. You can do it the right way, be ultra successful, um, and, and really make strong relationships that will carry you through your career. Mm. Um, and that's really what it's all about because it's not what you know. I mean, college tells you what you need to know, right. but they don't tell you the one key fact is it's who you know. Mm -hmm. Like, for example, you know, when I met you, again, another door opened and, and what a wonderful experience, you know, this is right now. And so it's who you know and how you apply your skills to get to people you need to know. That's what's really the hard part for salespeople these days. We are Infinity X stage and microphone human excellence replay. We are infinityx.com and on the We Are Infinity X YouTube channel and on the app. We're joined this evening by Chad Johnson. Chad, and by the way, folks, ladies, if, if, check him out on LinkedIn if you haven't done so already. Chad Johnson, the CEO of Best Life Ventures. Uh, 3,000 followers, right? That doesn't grow on trees on LinkedIn. People want to pay attention to what he's up to. Um, and, you know, Chad, when, when did you gravitate into, because you talk about sales here from, you know, like I, I would imagine you have a very strong opinion about what I'm about to ask, but when did you gravitate gravitate into auto sales in Cox Automotive? Was it was it auto parts or like what, what exact, what, I, I, I'm not 
super familiar with Cox in general. So just dig a little bit deeper there. Yeah, so Cox Automotive, I mean, they're a huge, huge uh, organization, privately owned by a, a one family. But they have 30 different brands. The most common things you would know them by are Auto Trader and Kelly Blue Book. Okay, let's go. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, they're go. actually a tech company. They don't build cars. They don't sell parts. They don't do anything else. What they provide is they provide software, business services, everything that a dealership and even OEMs need to operate in the, in the sales and marketing and, and inventory ecosphere uh, in automotive. So they're providing high technology solutions for dealerships and OEMs on how to do everything but build the car. Service, everything that you can imagine. They help them with supply chain through auto auctions. They help them with all of the, the accounting inventory. They even have a financing company. Mm -hmm. um, so they even help dealerships get their floor planning financing. So, I mean, they are, they are anything but, it's amazing. They are everything automotive, but nothing but building a car. <laughs> yeah, but that's fun. And how did you end up in that space? Like, what? They, what, they what actually recruited me. I was working for T-Mobile at the time. I, okay. I was building out some business development teams for them for their commercial uh, sales for cellular technologies, uh, yep. not just phones, but cellular technologies, IoT in general. And, and they recruited me away, um, and I was really glad to go. It was somebody that I had looked at years prior, um, but the timing wasn't right. And so at the time when they approached me uh, at the end of 2016, the time was right. I was ready to leave, uh, move on from T-Mobile and take on a new challenge. And, and so uh, it started with, they needed to manage their inside teams uh, who had been underperforming. And so they said, hey, can you come in and fix this up and, and, and put us in the right direction? I'm like, absolutely. And do me a favor, define underperforming. Because uh, I, uh, I, I, I think that's a, I think that's a term in sales organizations that varies from organization to organization. So, what was their definition of underperformance? Yeah, they had the typical definition everybody else does. It wasn't generating enough revenue, weren't yeah. hitting targets and goals. Yeah. But I mean, that's not really what underperforming is all about. Underperforming in inside sales is definitely, you know, when your system is underutilized. You know, in, in a large organization, especially like Cox, and, and even in medium-sized organizations, if you have an inside sales force, that's your farm team. That's your B team for the majors, you know, mm -hmm. your, your field sales and your enterprise sales team. Sure. You should be sure. using that as your growing and grooming ground, and they weren't doing that. They weren't even offering all their services to them. And so by going in and integrating and looking at the gaps and, and the processes that could be fixed, the training that could be, be offered, to grow and develop them that's going to get them not only the revenue they were looking for, but widely past that was the challenge. Chad, it's a, it, it's a big company, right? It's nationwide. Mm -hmm. How does some, how do, how do you go in? I mean, obviously you had to time block, right? But how do you go into an organization of that size? Look at the KPIs, right? Look at the, you know, look at the areas where it, you know, immediate impact was needed or necessary. Like, what were the things that you evaluated essentially when you first went in? Because I mean, you know, with a nationwide with, with a nationwide company, it's not you're not just going to snap your fingers and just get every inside <laughs> sales rep to start to you know level up. Right. So the very first thing to do is look at what they're focusing on right now, because obviously that's not gotten them where they want to be. So find out what they're looking at. The, the big thing that a lot of organizations, sales organizations, they rely heavily on their CRMs, Cox, no different. And, you know, CRMs are supposed to point to, hey, we're going to make this amount of sales. We have pipelines, we have 
opportunities that should generate this amount of revenue. Unfortunately, a lot of the things that they look at KPI-wise point them to anything but revenue, point them to calls, demos, activities, which are no guarantee of revenue. Um, and that's the problem. So you first go in and you look at what are they focusing on? What have they been looking at? What do they consider success at this moment in time in a role? And how is that different from the results that they're looking for? Be it lapses in training, be it they have a poor um, sales presentation model, demo model, whatever the case may be. So I quickly go in and I look at, here's what the, here's what the reps are supposed to know. Here's what they really need to know. Here's how they're presenting it. Here's how it should be presented. Here's what you know, is available to process. What are the breakdowns in the actual process within the house from the time an order is placed to the time the customer gets delivered? I look at all of those things as quickly as I possibly can, identifying where the gaps are so that we can increase the velocity, make sure that your customers are happy once they buy the product, but also make sure that we're cutting that sales time down as much as possible. You know, if, if I can bring it down even a day or two, that's an enormous benefit over the course of a year with hundreds or possibly thousands of, of deals being closed. What what decreases that time lapse? Or that so time several, lapse, I should say. Several things. It, it could be from the way you prospect and the way you market and the way you utilize your human capital. In the And it can also be your internal processes, uh, what it takes to actually fulfill that order. Um, so you have to look at it from both sides of the spectrum. So the training, presentation, demo skills, um, how the interaction is going between us and the client, that is, you know, the human capital side. And does it make sense? Like, for example, uh, one of the things that was a really big challenge is, um, you know, when you have a very field sales heavy organization, you can't possibly have representatives every single place in the country. Right. So what happens is you start having those inefficiencies where, where they're covering territories and stuff. And yeah, a field rep may have to travel four to six hours to see one customer. Well, that's a waste of time. That that client needs to work with an inside salesperson that's right there on demand. That slows the process down. Just to give a real quick example. So I look for those inefficiencies really quickly and I I make my you know guidance as to what I think should happen and how I put the business case together, how it's going to benefit the organization and the customer. Customer first, organization second. Absolutely. First, last, and always, right? You always. Know, that, you know, that's always. if you're a fiduciary, if you're fiduciary is not limited to the financial services industry, ladies and gentlemen, right? Fiduciary right. across all sales, right? And it's customer right. first and always at all times. We are Infinity X stage microphone, human excellence. This is Chad Johnson. Ladies and gentlemen, if you have a question for Chad pertaining to sales development, sales leadership, please put it in the chat. We'll be happy to get to it during the course of the conversation. So, Chad, you get into you get into the organization. You make an immediate impact, right? And in in what you know, what was the increase in revenues as a result of some of the metrics and the systems that you put in? Yeah. So primarily, what we did is we 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 increased revenues by one hundred percent. So it went from negative performance to positive performance within nine months, which an organization that has 40, 30 to forty thousand people. It takes a minute to steer that ship. Nine yeah, months right. is like pretty Titanic, fast. You know, the rudder. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's yeah, a yeah. lot of there, there's a lot of uh, stakeholders involved in a lot of uh, uh, process, a lot of policy that needs to to, to occur. So uh, nine months was a really good feat. Once we did that, uh, our our ARR, our annual revenue, was about twenty million. Between 2017 and the end of 2021, yep. we doubled that to 40 million in ARR which 
in a very mature, large organization, that's a hell of a feat. It's, it's, a it's nothing for us a smaller or a startup to, to grow leaps and bounds like that. But when you're talking about a company that's 100 years old in an industry that people feel is saturated and you have competition everywhere, doubling in five years um, is a pretty enormous undertaking. Not only that, what we did is, is focusing on the customer. Like I said, customer first. They're running about five to five and a half percent lost business every year, which most companies would go, that's not bad. Mm -hmm. But I don't think that's great either. We lowered that down by the end of 2021 to 2.4%. So not only were we bringing more into the front door, we were letting less get out the back door. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And Chad, by the way, we got a question that came in uh, into the chat. Do you yeah. agree with the hybrid structure for hiring ISR? Mm, you know, that's that's one of those things that I, I don't think that it's a bad thing. I think it comes down to a managed thing. It, the capability of your leaders to handle that situation and to develop the people that they work with is really going to ultimately determine what the success is. Your product, your service, your company, is that's not going to matter. What's going to matter is your leadership, how well in tune they are with their representatives, what sort of relationships they have, how well the communication flows within your organization, um, and how in touch people feel they are. Um, mm -hmm. So that, that's that's one of those questions. It's like it's too broad to be specific. Um, and and again, that's one thing that uh, I think a lot of organizations are also doing. Go ahead. Could I could I add a little flavor to that too? Yeah. Um, I would say I would say I'm I'm actually a proponent of inside sales reps having skin in the game, right? And yeah. having commission structure. But the whole yeah. thing is it needs to be a very transparent, understandable commission structure. The more complex it is, or the more vague that it is, the less output that you're going to get. I'll give you an example. Uh, years ago, years ago, like early 2000s, <clears throat> I spent oh, I spent some time operating as an inside sales rep at a mutual fund company. And oh. one of the, one of, you know, and, and the territory that I worked with was <clears throat> out of my, out of my neck of the woods. It was uh, the Great Lakes, right? You know, oh, wow. I, you know, I was, you know, nowhere near that, right? I was in the East Coast in New York City. And I, I remember that there were times, um, I, I think it was the second half of the month when the overrides and the commissions uh, were, were, were paid out as a result of the production that the territory did uh, from, uh, from the previous month. But I remember very, very, very vividly that I had absolutely no idea whatsoever the type of impact, if any at all, that I had on that production. It yeah. was, you know, it was one of those things that it just found its way into my paycheck and it was yeah. random each and every single month. There was zero transparency. I had no idea how that, how that happened. Right. Yeah. And therefore I didn't have any idea how I could make an impact on the increase of that base camp on commissions. I had no clue. And yeah. I think that in looking back at it, Chad, I think that if, if it was clearly described and, you know, and, and a part of the onboarding process, right. Not from, from interview all the way to the, you know, day one of being on the telephone. I think that especially now where people are, uh, you know, people are more interested in incentive-based compensation i think that if it was a little bit more transparent i think that they would have gotten better output i'd love to get your take on that yeah um you know realistically i look at it this way any comp plan that takes more than 90 seconds to explain is too complicated <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean yeah. quite frankly that's the truth it should be very simple you know x amount of sales revenue whatever generates this this and this and here you know are a couple of spits that's it you know, I, so I agree completely on that. 
the more control and the more, and that goes back to communication, the more control a sales rep has over their earnings, the more successful the entire organization is going to be. So, uh, and thank you so much for that question, folks. If you have another question for Chad, by all means, please put it into the chat. We are excited to give at world-class sales oriented and or any other any other topic that you're looking to have conversation with chad about we're the world world-class education around that and chad you were um you you were with uh cox automotive for a period of five years highly highly successful right moved up you know increased revenues a hundred percent on multiple different occasions multiple different occasions what happened next though so what happens is eventually you get to a point where you meet the ultimate goal of where do you go next? And the answer is it's time to find a new challenge. Mm. Um, I, you can literally work yourself out of a job if you do it right. That's one thing I learned about corporate America that they don't teach you in school as well yep. is the fact that if you truly do your job at a very high level, you do the right things that are right for the company and the customer. Eventually, at some point in time, the people that are in the higher levels of leadership work themselves out of a role. And you need to go into a new a new place, and that's where I ended up. Um, twenty twenty one, we ended the year six hundred percent to goal. We integrated inside and field sales forces. Um, as far as functionality, we we were able to integrate a lot of the things that they did together. Uh, build a lot of kumbaya instead of everybody working for themselves, kind of right. one direction. And yep. COVID helped force that because you know uh, all of a sudden this big massive field sales force had to work remotely. They had to work from their computer and their phone and they weren't used to it. And so that gave the inside department and managers and myself that ability to share that, that knowledge and to, to grow that in them and making everybody basically hybrid because now the field salespeople were comfortable, you know, through the, the two years that followed that, um, working either by phone, computer, or in front of someone sitting across the desk. Um, when you create that sort of situation, um, that sort of... Uh, Automation, if you will, human automation, mm-hmm. uh, you get to a point where it's like, okay, great. Um, yeah, you guys, <laughs> you can continue from here, but my work here is done. And that's kind of where it ended up. Okay. And, but did you have, what was plan B? Like, what did you, did you know that at that particular point that you were going to break away and found your own company? Um, you know, I thought about taking a breath for a minute, figuring out what I wanted my next challenge to be. And it really came down to, I, I looked at myself and I thought, what do I want to do? And corporate America, that's the one thing. You, you, can, you can consistently find the fact that there's an end of the road. And mm-hmm. I thought, you know what? I don't want something that ends. I want something that's perpetual. And the only way I can do that is on my own and do what I love, which is helping people grow and develop and succeed in their careers. That's where I get my juice. Um, and so I decided, you know what? Let's start, let's start doing it myself. Let's work with organizations and grow and develop people and and, and share as much of that knowledge as I've learned over the 30 years and, and uh, go from there. And that's where it all started. We are Infinity X Stage and Microphone Human Excellence. Folks, this is Chad Johnson, CEO of Best Life Ventures. And Best Life Ventures is, is born now, right? You know, so you separate from service from Cox Automotive. High, you know, obviously highly, 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 highly successful career there. Now you're presented with, you know, the base camp of, the, you know, the base camp of, Hey, you know, I, 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 I'm literally at base camp. I don't have any clients. I'm going to have to prospect, right? I'm going to have to manage pipeline. I'm going to have to do all of those things that I think that you teach at a very, very high level also. But what were your first six months like 
as you launch that company? So just basically establishing all the, the groundwork that you need to do. You know, the same things that I teach people when they're prospecting. You've got to get out there. You've got to start building your brand. You've got to start putting your content out there. You've got to start reaching out to your network, who you know, um, talking to people, getting the message out there that, hey, I'm, uh, I'm kind of a gun for hire now, if it will, right? And, um, and that's really what it's been about, finding what was my niche going to be? What did I really want to focus on? Because did I want to focus specifically on leadership? Did I want to focus specifically on sales? Kind of a mix of both. Um, and, and how in-depth did you want to go? You know, do I want to be a general practitioner like a doctor or do I want to be a cardiologist? Mm. And so it was kind of really searching within myself to figure it out and then start getting that message out there. And, and so how did you, you know, like, how was that message received, right? As you started to reach out to relationships that you had and what did you land on from a focal point standpoint? Was it going to be a more on sales development? Was it going to be leadership development? What did you land on? Yeah. So what I landed on was going to be that it's going to be more focused on leadership, but applicable to any salesperson as well, because the tools that the information that I share, any salesperson can find valuable, but a sales leader can find it invaluable as to how they want to direct their entire team or their organization to move in the, in a, in the same direction. So it's actually a little bit of both. Um, and, and that's so that's where I landed. And that's what I'm doing right now. And that's why prospecting sucks. I'm really writing it um, for <laughs> sales leaders, yeah. but it, 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 it's going to resonate with salespeople tremendously. So I kind of found that balance in between where the message gets to both places um, and then the importance can be assigned. Take me a little bit deeper into that, uh, ladies and gentlemen. The uh, the book is Prospecting Sucks. It is coming out on soft copy and on audiobook, I believe, in January. Uh, yeah. Chad, why does prospecting suck so bad? So you think about it. When you know, 20 years ago, when you and you and I were still wet in sales, you think about it. Uh, you know, it was hey, smile and dial, make uh, 500 calls this week, and send out a you know. 500 emails, and that's that was success, right? Volume was it. It's a numbers game. Yep. Um, and, and today, that's not the truth. Actually, cold calling and cold emailing like that has a very low rate of return, actually less than 1%. Baylor University just this year put out a study that they conducted where it takes an average of 209 cold calls to get one appointment. Now, not sell something, just to get one appointment. What a tremendous misuse of time. And the reason that happens is, is because in today's game, nobody nobody is going to take time to talk to a stranger. Think about it. How many times do you answer the phone when it rings and it's a number you don't know? You don't. You let it go to voicemail. It's important yep. and you'll, you'll get back to it. Do you mm-hmm. check cold? You, know, you see spam emails every day selling you stuff. Do you answer them? I don't. They go right into the junk box or, or the delete box. So the, the methodology now today is you have to be informed, not only about the customer and their organization, but you have to be informed about what their habits are. And you have to be very personalized in your approach. Um, an example, you know, uh, examples of this are going to be, you know, the content that you post online. And uh, do you know your personas? Do you truly know your customer personas? Where are they online? Where are they looking for data? Where are they researching? And have you engaged them through social media? in such a way that you're not a stranger. They know your name. They may not know you personally. They may not want to go have a drink with you yet, but they've seen something that you've put out there. They recognize that you have industry-relevant knowledge or solution-specific knowledge that they can use. 
And that takes that stranger off of you, right? And so it's putting that sort of methodology together to reach prospects, and, you know, in the joke, hey, even while I'm sleeping, because your content does prospect for you while it's out there and teaching people to go, hey, you've got to make yourself available, show them how they can contact you, show them, you know, how they can, how that, you know, just that you have the industry knowledge, you have solution knowledge, that you understand the problems, that you understand what's going on today. Um, and then when you reach out to them personally, you'll show them not only am I this industry or product and solution set expert, I know you, I know you personally, I followed your career, I know you went to this university or hey, we have, we have this in common, we both worked here in the past. Yeah. Um, your organization, I've been watching them in the news, hey, this is going on, or maybe they're not big enough to be in the news yet, but you've learned enough about how they've grown or when they started up. Tell me what your struggles have been and what are your struggles right now moving forward? You, you can't, uh, you have to engage them in a different way. And by doing that, I don't need to make 500 calls or send out 500 emails. I can literally make 50 and talk to half of those people in the same amount of time. We are infinity X stage of microphone. We're getting deep now into the prospect and into, into the life cycle of prospecting and strategy behind prospecting with Chad Johnson here, ladies and gentlemen. By the way, I um, there's another question that got posted in the chat that I'll hit, I'll hit in a second because uh, it's more centered around uh, more centered around corporate uh, corporate environment. But um, Chad, <clears throat> one of the things, and you and I have talked about this is. That there, there needs, especially in 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 the environment that we're operating operating in today, ladies and gentlemen, if you're not paying attention to what we're doing here at Epic, you need to. <laughs> I'm just I'm just gonna hit you just lightning bolt straight between the eyes. You need to pay attention to what we're doing. We have almost three thousand condition sales opportunity conversations happening each and every single month as a result of relationships that my partner has has created where people are coming in a conditioned state to want to have a conversation with us about planning and about some of the things that we do and you know and and there's that we could spend three hours breaking down and talking about all the different metrics that went into that chad but are you um a, like are you finding that you know from a from a prospecting perspective now and and forget about it let's let's take my world uh, you know of financial services off the table for a second let's go into maybe even your old world for a moment um are you finding that there are new and innovative methods that people can create more conditioned you know warm sales conversations uh than they you know and 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 tactics for doing so than they had in the past and what's being taught in mainstream yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the biggest things, of course, is the is video. I mean, oh, talk to yeah, me. About I mean, love that. Yes. Yeah, it, it's true. I mean, think about it. People don't have time, or they won't take time to stop and read an email or or your marketing piece that went out. Yeah. But if you yeah, send someone a personalized video directed to them, not only does it humanize you because now they can see your face, hear your voice, they realize you're not just this robo salesperson. Yep. But they realized that, wow, you actually made this message just for them. You took the time to do it. And mm -hmm. just a short video is a great way to outreach. To, I was about to, to ask, how long? How long, typically? Less than 60 seconds. Got it. it, yep. it it's, a, it's an invitation to a conversation. It's a quick, it does, it does three things. It quickly introduces yourself. It touches a commonality point. It, it, it gives you a chance to express some form of um, 
feedback or appreciation for something that they posted online or something that they're doing with their organization. And then it gives you the opportunity to invite that conversation because it's not about a pitch. Nobody wants to hear your 30 second elevator pitch anymore. Those days are gone. They, that, mm -hmm. that bores them. Mm -hmm. Again, you're a stranger. They don't care. Yep. Um, and so what you need to do is you need to have that very personalized, very informed approach to quickly get their attention. People will still take a cold call, but it's now not that cold. Once I reach out to them or heaven forbid, they actually take your call to action, hit your calendar link or uh, send you a message back from that video. Yep. Now they're inviting you and it's definitely not cold. Well, and, and, you know, you could have all the leads in the world and you could have all the fantastic first conversations in the world. But if you don't do a good job with pipeline management, you're, you know, <laughs> you know, just it's, you know, stick a fork in it. It's done. Right. You yeah. know? Yeah. And, and by the way, I have found, and, and everybody's guilty of it, myself included is yep. pipeline is pipeline management is the difference between making $100,000 and $1 million. There's no question about it. And it's also the difference between making a million and $10 million, right? And yep. you know, and the amount, people get so focused in, and again, I will raise my hand as being somebody who has been very, very guilty of this. You get so focused in on the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow that you forget about the field of diamonds that you're walking across, right? And that's pipeline management, right? And so- yeah. What is it, you know, I know that you have very strong opinions about the failure of pipeline management and more innovative ways to do so. What say you, Jed? Yeah, so what, what it really comes down to, and this kind of goes back to what I said about CRM's lie, it goes back to what are you focusing on and how valid is your pipeline? Where do you cut your losses um, and maybe focus your energies? Because not every opportunity is equal. Not every opportunity needs to be chased down a rabbit hole. Some do. Um, and so what you do is, you know, instead of focusing on the activities and the quantities of things, you have to focus on the quality. And what I mean by that is, um, you know, are you talking with the right person? Your CRM should say, okay, here's the hierarchy. It should, you're, it should be pointing to these are the, the person or the persons that make the decision. And then it needs to qualify. Am I talking to those people? Am I talking to just one person in an organization or am I talking to several? And instead of how many touch points you know, that's another big thing. Have we sent them an email? Have we sent them a phone call? You know, all these other, you know what? Let's talk about how many ways we are connected to them. Have we engaged them on social media? You know, uh, have we slid into their comment sections on things they've posted? Um, are we following them on social media? Can they go in and see, hey, we're following them. And then the other piece, and this is the one thing that, that I think a lot of leaders really miss is they do a lot on training their salespeople to make these presentations and things like this but they don't teach them how to walk the talk. And what I mean by that is- oh, Yeah, let's say, yeah, elaborate it, on that, because that's good, that's real. Yeah. Well, the deal is, is look at, you know, I train salespeople all the time. You, you're an expert in this, you're an expert in this, you're an expert in this. What if that prospect goes online and looks? Do you look like that expert? Have you put content out there that says you are that expert? Mm. If they go to your LinkedIn profile, does it have a picture? Does it make sense? Or, attention, or something pay, attention, with pay attention to what Chad is saying right now. It's so critical. Sorry, Chad, go ahead. No, 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 no. I appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, so you've got to make sure that you're ready to play the game. It's not about knowing, the, knowing where the game is and, and this is how I could possibly win at it because you won't win at it if you aren't set up to. If, if, a, if a prospect can't research you online and, and, and get the picture that you look like 
the person that you're portraying yourself to be, yeah, your, your credibility is shot. How can they trust you? So, Chad, let me uh, let's let's break that. Let's go deeper into that. Golden nuggets being dropped all over the place here, by the way, ladies and gentlemen. This is we are Infinity X stage and microphone. Chad Johnson replay. We are InfinityX.com and on the YouTube channel. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Infinity X. Don't forget to check us out on YouTube by searching We Are Infinity X. Until next time.